Welcome wrestling fans from around the world to In the Ring with Brandy. I'm your host Brandy and on the show we talk about all things wrestling from AEW to Impact, Ring of Honor, WWE's Raw, Smackdown, NXT, NXT UK, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. On tonight's show we're going to be covering Monday Night Raw for 6-7 and Friday Night Smackdown for 6-11. So let's get this show on the road, shall we? Let's step into the ring and let's see what's going on. Alright, let's start out with Monday Night Raw for 6-7. Raw opens with a tag team battle royale with the winner getting a shot at AJ Styles and almost for the Raw tag team titles. This is interesting because I like when they do these battle royales because really you don't know who's going to win. You can't determine, you know, the you can't really determine anything. Not really. Now in this battle royale you have New Day, Mason T-Bar, Rillin Orton, the Viking Raiders. And you also have some weird coincidence. You also have Grand Metal League's partner, Lindsay Dorado. Now, guys, were you're sitting there thinking, what the heck's going on? Where Grand Metal League supposedly, according to WWE and according to AJ, when he comes out later, is injured. So my question is, why would you put Lindsay in a match without his tag team partner? It would make no sense to put your, you know, put one in there without the other. If Grand Metal League really is injured, wouldn't it make more sense not to have him in it? Because you can't. I mean, it just didn't make any sense to me. But anyway, AJ and almost come out. And they think the tag teams in this match. They say they're an incredible tag team. All of them in their own right are great. They're fantastic. AJ talking you know, every single one of the tag teams up. You know, oh yeah. But they say the only, they only want to defend the titles on the road. They don't want to defend them anywhere else. So they kind of want to keep... And I kind of get where it's going because you kind of want a crowd. You want a crowd to make a pop. You want that loud pop when you come out with your titles and you're defending them. You want that sound, the roar, the crowd, the people cheering your name. This is awesome. You want to hear that. So I get where AJ and Almost are coming from. That, to me, is a great way to defend the titles. But they want to defend the titles against a great tag team that will give them the pop they're looking for. I like that. I like that that's where they're kind of, that's what creative's trying to come up with. You know, build up the momentum, build up the whole thing, getting them prepared for when they do go back on the road to defend the titles. That would be the best way to do it. Instead of defending them at like Hell in a Cell or somewhere else where they're in, you know, the Thunderdome, why not do it in front of an entire crowd? But like I said, two, you want a really good tag team to go against AJ Styles and almost. That's what you want. You don't want a tag team that's not going to get you the pop and the response you're looking for. But anyways, uh, he mentions each tag team by name. Like I said, Lindsay Dorado's out there by himself without Grand Metal League, but they say he's injured. And like I told you guys, it makes no sense to me why if he's injured, you would have the other tag team partner out there. It, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. It, 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 it's confusing. It's misleading. It just doesn't make sense to me as a wrestling fan. You know, and I'm pretty sure to the rest of the WWE Universe, it doesn't make any sense, but... Creative has a reason for doing everything that they do. I, I'm not creative. I don't understand what creative's coming up with, but this is what they're doing. But, anyways, uh, basically, you know, to me, it sounds like it's something involving the con man from Connecticut. To me, that's what I mean. I could be completely wrong. I've just never known in WWE for them to have one team member in there for a tag team battle royale to determine who's going to face for the tag team titles. Without the other person, because if they're injured, if they're truly injured, you don't know how long they're going to be out. And say, for instance, Grand Metal League, you know, Grand Metal League and Lindsay Dorado do do win. 
What if Grand Metalik isn't medically clear to wrestle when it comes time for the tag titles to be defended? You see where I'm getting with this, guys? You see where I'm going? Something's not adding up in the WWE Universe. It's just not adding up. But, anyways, almost calls Randy Orton handsome. Almost. I, I was in shock. I'm sitting there going, did he just say what I think he just said? You know, they were saying how wonderful, marvelous, stupendous, spectacular. They were coming up with all this stuff for Orton and Riddle. And then almost turns around and calls Orton handsome. I'm like, okay, that's a bit interesting. And, you know, Corey Graves kind of touched on it a little bit, but he didn't try to go too much into it. You know, you can come up with something better than that. To me, it was kind of funny. It was a funny way to, you know, almost as kind of not really doesn't speak much. We all know he doesn't. He comes in there, beats you up, and then walks back out. When he speaks, it's an interesting conversation because the man, I mean, he's huge. If you guys have not seen almost, go on YouTube. Go on any social media and go look this guy up. He is freaking a monster. And when he speaks, you're like, wow, he seems like a gentle giant. To you, I mean, to me, he does. But when you see him in the ring, you see a totally different person. And you're thinking, how can this person that has such a sweet voice be such a monster? It boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. But he does call Randy Orton handsome. And Randy kind of looks at him weird and keeps, you know, just doesn't try to pay too much attention to it. He goes on and on about Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle basically tells Randy, AJ, we're going to beat you. We're going to get those tag titles. He goes on and on and on and on. Randy has finally had enough. Now, guys, you all know what's been going on for the last couple of weeks. Randy Orton has this ability to shut up Matt Riddle. And to me, I'm like, yay, shut him up. Show what you can do in the ring. Don't sit there and go on and on and on and on and on about you know, your T-shirt, your scooter, whatever you come on. Matt Riddle is too much of a talker. He's way too much of a talker. And I want to see him in the ring and see what he does compared to being a talker. But Randy has this ability to shut him up. And, of course, Randy does shut him up again. Kudos to Randy for getting him quiet. Kudos, kudos. But then Miz comes out. Out of nowhere, Miz comes out. And he's in a wheelchair. Now, guys, if y'all remember last week, and if you don't, go look on social media. He had Ms. TV last week where he had Charlotte and Rhea on there. Ms. was not in a wheelchair. Ms. physically was sitting in the chair. Ms. physically got up out of the chair, standing on his own two feet. Physically crawled out of the ring when the brawl started. Ms., we're not buying what you're selling. We're just not buying it. I'm sorry. Why are you in a That makes no sense to me. You weren't in a wheelchair last week and all of a sudden you are? doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, it doesn't. It just doesn't. It may make sense to y'all, but if you watch last week's Raw to this week's Raw, you're scratching your head going, huh? Where did, we, where did this happen? How did this happen? But he basically says that his better half, Morrison, is going to fight in the ring too for a shot at the tag team titles. It's a great match. Back and forth. I mean, guys, the whole thing is is that you have to get your opponent uh, over the ropes. Now, one member of your team can go out and you can still be in. Both team members have to go over the ropes to be completely out. A lot of it really did come down to a lot of it just being one team member per group. And it got really, really competitive. And it comes down to New Day, the Viking, both Viking Raiders, and Randy Orton. 
Randy Orton literally, I thought, had this. I thought for sure it was going to be Orton and Riddle going against AJ and almost. And granted, they're sitting by commentary watching this whole match take go take place, go down. It ends up being the shocker of all shockers when the Viking Raiders win the whole kit and caboodle. Guys, I like this. The Viking Raiders were tag team champions when they when they had to leave due to injury. To see them get another shot at almost an AJ and get those titles seems to be a really good idea. And like I said, when you're defending the titles on the road, you want two good tag teams in there battling for those titles. Who better than the Viking Raiders? They're, they're fan favorites. People love them. Who better than Eric and Ivar to face AJ and almost? There's nobody else better that I can see. So I'm looking forward to seeing, will the Viking Raiders get the titles? Will they become the next team, next team to win the tag team titles? Or will Almost and AJ retain? I'm interested to see where WWE is going to go with this. I'm, it's got me curious. It's got my brain thinking, hmm, who's going to win this? Who are we going to see with the titles? Who's going to come out on the road with these titles? And it's going to be interesting to see how the crowd reacts to this sort of caliber of championships. It's going to be interesting. I promise you it will be. Charlotte. She is tired of losing to Nikki Cross. I'm pretty sure in the same token, Charlotte, Rhea's tired of losing to Nikki Cross. But Nikki Cross is doing really good right now. This girl is literally getting an incredible push. She's really, she's really coming back from where she was starting to now. She's doing really good, and I like what WWE is doing with her. You know, kind of petting her against petting her against Rhea and Charlotte. I like this. I like the setup. But she's tired of having Nikki get involved in her matches and make her lose. So she basically goes to Pearson and Sonya Deville and tells them she wants to have Nikki, you know, her removed from all this thing. She wants... Strike from her record, the loss with Nikki Cross. Well, of course, Sonya Deville tells her no. Because you set up the match, you agreed to it. Pierce, of course, agrees with Sonya and says, Look, you agreed to the match, you fought the match, Nikki won, we're not striking it from the record. You're just going to have to deal with that loss from Nikki Cross the same way Rhea has to deal with the loss from Nikki Cross. So when they say no, Charlotte gets mad. She gets really mad. And we all know how Flair, how Charlotte Flair can be when she's mad. Well, Rhea comes up. And Rhea basically, you know, poking at Charlotte again. You know, kind of doing what Rhea's been doing. Poking at Charlotte. You know, them trying to get set up for their battle at Hell in a Cell. This back and forth thing. And Sonya Deville comes up with a great idea, which Adam Pearce agrees to. Why not put the two of them together, Rhea and Charlotte, in a tag team match against Nikki Cross and a tag team partner of her choosing? Charlotte doesn't like that. Rhea doesn't like that because the combustible components involved in this match is going to make it very difficult for you know Charlotte and Rhea to coexist in the same space as a tag team. But of course, they don't like it, but of course then they agree to it, and so we're going to get a match later on tonight involving Charlotte and Rhea tagging up with Nikki and an opponent, you know, a tag team partner of her choosing. Interesting to see who her partner's going to be. Interesting to see who Nikki comes up with. It could be any woman in the locker room. It really could. It could be anybody that has a personal problem or a personal vendetta against Charlotte. Interesting to see what's going to happen. It's going to be really, really interesting. 
Elias. He comes out and he's about to play in the ring. He blames Jackson Riker for them not winning the tag team titles. Really? Really, Elias? Can we rewind back to and make you see that Riker was doing really well in the ring last week against AJ Styles and almost, and he reached over for a tag and you jumped down off the ring apron? You walked up the entrance ramp and left Riker in the middle of the ring alone? I don't think Riker had anything to do with you guys not winning the titles. I think you are the one to blame. You really are. I mean, he is, guys. Any, if you didn't see this, go back and look it up. I promise you. You're going to be shocked. Because, I mean, this team was really good together. And I don't understand what WWE Creative is doing with this. But it was an interesting little storyline setting up. But basically, he blames Jackson Riker for not winning the tag titles. He's getting ready to play when all of a sudden Jackson Riker comes out. Guys, he's got a new look. He cut his hair. It's short now. Kind of buzz. He looked, I mean, for a minute there, it didn't, I could, it took me a minute to register that it was even Jackson Riker because it didn't look like a Forgotten Sons Jackson Riker that we're used to seeing. This was a totally new look. I mean, it looked great on him. It really did, but it's one of those things where, like, wait a minute, Bob, your brain's trying to process is this Jackson Riker. If you haven't seen it, guys, go on social media and look up this past Monday night, Jackson Riker. Jackson Riker coming into the ring against Elias. You will be as surprised as I am, and your brain will probably be doing the same thing mine was. What? Is this Jackson Riker? Really? But he comes out with a great new looking look. He destroys Elias. I mean, destroys him in the ring. So then we come down to Jackson Riker versus Elias. Who did not see this coming because of how they started it beforehand? It's a great match. I mean, it really is. But Elias, as he always does, doesn't like to be getting bested or being, you know, beat up. So what does Elias do? What Elias always does. Walk out and leave. He literally, guys, jumps out of the ring, walks up the entrance ramp, and walks away. Jackson Riker wins by count out. Doesn't matter. A win is a win. In the books, it's going to be Jackson Riker won against Elias. Whether Elias likes it or not. And it was because Elias didn't like the fact that he was getting beat up and shown up by Jackson Riker. This is going to be an interesting storyline. It's going to be interesting to see where they go with this involving Riker and Elias. It could be a huge matchup. I mean, it could be really big if they play their cards right and they do this right. McIntyre and Bobby Lashley's contract signing. Now, guys, they announced earlier in the day, beginning of Monday morning, that they were going to have a contract signing. On social media, on Drew McIntyre's Instagram and his Twitter, which, guys, you can go check it out if you want to, Drew McIntyre does a little promo teasing this signing, this contract signing. And basically in it, he basically says, oh, you know, it's a contract signing. It's just two gentlemen sitting down, signing a contract, you know, gentlemanly like, you know, we walk away and that's it. Nothing's going to happen, I promise. Come on, guys. Any wrestling fan, whether it be in any promotion, as a contract signing never goes that way. It never does. It literally it turns into a free for all brawl between the two opponents, and you know doing the contract. It, it, and somehow you know the general manager gets caught in the crossfire, and it just it's a big old mess. But of course we have our contract signing. Drew comes out first. Sonya and Adam are in the ring, and they call basically. They announce Bobby Lashley because Bobby Lashley is the champion. They announce him. His music hits. Drew's waiting. No Lashley. We're literally sitting there going, okay, 
where is Ashley? Why, why hasn't he come out yet? You know, Drew's looking. Pierce and Sonya are completely confused because normally when you announce somebody, their entrance music hits, they come out. Bobby Lashley doesn't. Neither does MVP. Nobody comes out. His music's playing. It's You're scratching your head going, okay. Where's Bobby Lashley? Did somebody take him out in the back? Where is he? Well, Drew basically says, you know, everybody wants to come aboard the Lashley train. They really do. They just want to be a part of Bobby Lashley. He starts talking about a king from Scotland. He goes into his Scottish heritage. Here we go into our Scottish roots. I like this. I like to hear stories like this. I really do. And he talks about how he became the king of Scotland. And at the time that he became king, uh, Scotland was under slavery rules. So the king literally goes into hiding into this cave. And he sees this spider up on the ceiling. And the spider keeps falling and keeps trying to get back up. But she keeps falling. and she keep, Well, eventually she gets her web fixed and everything. And the king basically... You know, finally realizes, hey, 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 I've got an idea. So he finally gets a group, small army together, goes in, defends his kingdom, wins freedom for Scotland. Great storyline, great story. Love when they do this. I love to hear, you know, stuff like this. I love when Drew goes into this because it gives you a little bit of insight into Drew McIntyre. It gives you a little bit more understanding of Drew and why Drew does what he does and what motivates him to be such a strong dominant champion or strong dominant fighter. It, it, it's a great storyline. He says, and the whole point of this is that first, if you don't succeed, beat Lashley in Hell in a Cell. That's pretty much what he says. If first you don't succeed, beat Lashley in Hell in a Cell. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, Lashley finally comes out with his girls and MVP. Finally, we get Bobby Lashley. The whole time we're sitting there going, where in the world? Apparently, it's on Lashley's terms. It's, I mean, it's like that over in SmackDown with Roman. It's on Roman's terms. So, apparently, in WWE on Raw, it's on Lashley's terms as to when Lashley decides to grace us with his presence, which he does. And, you know, he comes out and, you know, MVP starts talking about how he manipulated his way into this match with Bobby Lashley. Really? Because if I think correctly, him and Kofi Kingston had a match the week before. Not this, not last week, but the week before. And YouTube caused a double DQ. Fast forward to last week. Him and Kofi had another grueling match to determine a number one contender. Drew won that match. He didn't manipulate nothing. He earned his shot. He fought a hard, grueling match against Kofi Kingston and won his shot. There's no manipulating anything. Drew won fair and square. It's, it boggles my mind an MVP with this MVP. We all know MVP runs his mouth when he shouldn't be. You know, la, 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 la. Drew, you know, he basically tells him he wants a match that if Drew loses, he will never get another title shot again. That makes you freeze because you're thinking surely surely Drew would not agree to something like this I mean he's worked his butt off to get this far to get the shot at this title to get his title back and now you're telling me if he doesn't beat Bobby Lashley at Hell in a Cell he never gets another shot at the title again are you kidding me he's a great champion what 
it, it boggles my mind. And I'm thinking, surely Drew would not agree to this. And I'm pretty sure some of you are, are listening right now going, no, Drew McIntyre wouldn't agree to something like this. Never. He would never agree to this. But Drew stops MVP. says, I'll agree to it. Under one condition. You give, I, you want something, you got to give me something. MVP goes, okay, what is it? you got to give me Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship inside hell in a cell. Literally, you could have heard a pin drop. Everybody's like, <gasps> like, Bobby Lashley has never been inside hell in a cell. Drew has. So this is the slight advantage for Drew. Can Bobby, pretty much that means MVP can't get involved. No outside interference. Bobby Lashley is on his own. He's got to face Drew on his own inside a steel structure that is, any person that's ever been in it will tell you it is a dangerous steel structure. You go in and when you come back out, you're not the same person you were when you went in. It changes you. It, it, it. It changes your career for it changes your whole thought on your career forever, because you're inside a steel structure that I mean literally it can cut your skin, it can break bone, you you can be up on top and fall off. Anything can happen in a inside a hell in a cell. Of course, Bobby accepts. Bobby accepts, not MVP. Bobby Lashley accepts, and basically he tells Drew he starts making fun of Drew's story. And tells him to tuck his little kilt and his tail between his legs when he loses and he can hang his head in shame. Drew McIntyre's not gonna, no, he's not gonna go out of the cell in the cell fight without a fight. You know, there's no way. He's gonna bring it to Bobby Lashley and he's gonna bring it in the worst way because, like I said, Lashley's never been inside Hell in a Cell. Drew has. Drew fell off the top of it into a commentator's desk. It, I mean, through it. He knows what the structure can do. He knows what it can do to your body physically, your brain mentally, what it can do to your emotions. He knows what can happen when you get inside Hell in a Cell because it's completely unpredictable as to what's going to happen. And there's no guarantee you're going to come out with a title. There's no guarantee that the champ that went in is going to come back out champion. Bobby Lashley's lethal. And I love Bobby Lashley's champion. He is a lethal champion. I love him. I look forward to seeing him every Monday night. And see what he's going to do next. But Bobby Lashley does not grasp the concept of what's going to happen when he steps inside that structure with the Scottish Warrior. It's a totally different ball game than being without that steel structure. You are in a totally different world when you step inside. The world that you were in before you went in... It's not there. You're inside the Hell in a Cell's world. And it can get very lethal and it can get very dangerous very quickly. But of course they sign the contract. They make it official that they're going to do it. You know, Drew, you know, basically said, tells Lashley, I'm going to give you a little bit of advice. You better start praying. Pray to whoever you believe in. You better start praying that you walk out of this structure or able to walk out of this structure. Basically, you know, he tells them, you know, pray. Pray to whoever you believe. Just pray. Because I'm telling you, you're not going to like what you come into when you walk inside that, that structure. You're just not going to like what you face. Because you're a totally different person on the other side of that cage. Totally different person. But then, after they sign the contract, 
they get a Lashley MVP and the girls get up to walk away. You're thinking, well, maybe Drew was telling the truth. Maybe, you know, it's just a little spit spat back and forth and they're done. There's not going to be anything else to it. Nope. Drew does not Drew does not disappoint because Bob literally MVP turns around and he's grabbing Bobby Lashley and slapping him. The girls start screaming. Drew takes that sword and puts it through the table. He cuts the table in half with that sword in front of Lashley. Lashley is just stunned. MVP is stunned. But Lashley doesn't flinch. He doesn't move. This is what shows showcases how good of a champion Bobby Lashley really is. That no matter what he's up against, no matter who he's facing, no matter what they throw at him, he's not going to back down from a fight. He's just not going to. And it's going to be interesting to see at Hell in a Cell, you know, a week from this Sunday, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen between Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. Will Drew McIntyre walk out of Hell in a Cell with the title? Will Lashley walk out with his title? Will Drew you lose and not get to ever defend for the you know, go for the title again? We don't know. Like I told you guys earlier, this feud could go on all the way to SummerSlam. Heck, it could go on all the way to WrestleMania if they do it right. It's a matter of how they're going to do it because Drew and Lashley are really bringing the fight. They're getting everybody's attention, and the fact that they're bringing other people like Braun Strowman, you know. Kofi Kingston, they're bringing other people into this feud makes it even better because it doesn't make it stale. It doesn't make it boring. It makes you think, ooh, who's going to pop up next? Who are we going to see next with Bobby Lashley and Drew? It's an interesting, you know, you got T-Bar and Mace that got involved. It's an interesting little thing that WWE is doing, and I like it. Nikki Cross comes up and she's interviewing, talking about her match with Rhea and Charlotte and how she's picked the perfect tag team partner to face Charlotte and Rhea. And she wants to introduce us to her tag team partner. Guys, her tag team partner is Asuka. Who did not see her picking Asuka? Because Asuka and Charlotte have a feud that has been going on since a couple of you know, years ago. It's been going on for a while. And Asuka and Rhea, they kind of have a history together. So it's kind of interesting to see that she picked Asuka. And I like it. I like who she picked. Because it's going to make the match really interesting to see if these, you know, one of Charlotte and Rhea could coexist in the same space. I know Nikki and Asuka can, so it's going to be interesting to see how this match goes. Well, then we have Sheamus. Sheamus comes out. Now, for those of you who did not know, did not watch it last week, I told you guys, in the match, he did two matches back-to-back. He did one with Ricochet and one with Alberto Correa. They were back-to-back, literally back-to-back. Correo accidentally in the middle of that match hit. His elbow was in the wrong place and he hit Sheamus in the nose, breaking Sheamus's nose. Sheamus went through surgery. Everything's good. Sheamus is there wearing a face guard. You can see where his nose I mean, his nose is really broke, guys. It's broke. But he comes out and he's been told that, he, that Alberto Correo and Ricochet will be fighting against each other and the winner of that match will face Sheamus for the United States title. Well, Sheamus basically tells them that not, neither one of them are worthy to defend to fight for his title. Neither one of them are his level. Typical Sheamus. I told you guys when Sheamus is a champ, he's on fire. He's literally on fire when he's a champ. I mean, he's great when he's not, but when he's a champ, he literally, you see a side of Sheamus you don't normally see. So then we get Sheamus sitting out at commentary watching Ricochet versus Alberto Correa. Sheamus is Excuse me, guys. Sheamus is speaking about his injustice of his nose being broke. And how he has to 
you know, has to basically fight against one of these two that aren't, like I said, aren't worthy. He's been told that he can't wrestle because of his nose. He has to wait until, you know, he heals. But, you know, this match could be really interesting. Back and forth, Rick. I mean, this match was really good. Ricochet and Hikurio both tried to scare Sheamus. Sheamus doesn't really flinch. He's just sitting there watching the match. The match is a great match. The match is really good. But the way it ended kind of makes me scratch my head and think, hmm, could we be seeing a triple threat match? It ends in a draw. Both of them, you know, get double. It's basically like a double count out. Draw. No definitive winner. This makes me think, guys, as I told you guys a couple weeks ago, that Sheamus could be defending his United States title in a triple threat match between Ricochet and Alberto Carrillo. Interesting to see how this is going to go. Interesting to see if this is what they do. With Sheamus not being medically cleared to wrestle, they can't really do it right now. But do I see it coming on down the road? Yes, I do. I don't like triple threat matches. I've told you guys about how I feel about triple threat matches, but this would be an interesting triple threat match either way. I don't know if that's what they're going to do, but that's my thought. That's my thought process that they really didn't come up with a definitive winner. So you put both of them against Sheamus in a triple threat match. We'll see what happens. MVP's walking around and he tries to recrease. He's Kofi Kingston talking to Xavier Woods. And he stops and starts talking to Kofi. And telling him that his match with Drew McIntyre last week was incredible. Basically, MVP's trying to recruit Kofi Kingston. Really, MVP? You have Bobby Lashley. I don't think Kofi Kingston needs any help from you. Kofi's got it on his own. He starts talking about Kofi Mania and how it can happen again. And blah, 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 blah. You know, he just keeps rambling on and on and on. And Kofi just doesn't want to hear any of it. He doesn't want MVP's help. He doesn't need MVP's help. He don't want to deal with MVP. Move on. Basically, he tells MVP, the reason I do this every day, the reason I do perform the way I do, the reason that I do everything that I do is because of family, because of the fans, because of the, you know, that's the big thing. That's the thing for Kofi Kingston. And that's the thing for any wrestling superstar. They do it for their family and their fans. That's what they do it for. If you're really passionate about it, that's what you do. So basically he says, what does Bobby Lashley do it for? The money? You know, the fame? The admiration? You know what? MVP basically tells him no and walks away. Where are we going with this WWE? Why all of a sudden is MVP making a move on Kofi Kingston? It's got my head scratching. And I'm pretty sure it's going to have a lot of y'all scratching too going, wait a minute, what? MVP with Kofi Kingston? No, 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 no. Kofi don't need MVP. Kofi's got this. He's had it. He's he's part of the new day. He don't need his help. He just really doesn't. Now I'm excited because next week on Monday Night Raw, I've told you guys after everything that's been going on with WWE and you know superstars getting let go and you know you get these storylines built up and you you're really excited. Ava is coming to WWE's Monday Night Raw next week. I'm interested to see what Ava's going to bring to the table. Now, some of you may not like her. Some of you may think, okay, she didn't really showcase anything the last time she was here. Guys, this is a different Ava Marie. This is a totally different Ava Marie. We don't know what she's going to bring to the women's division. She could be a really good addition to the division. 
I, I'm interested to see what she's going to bring. I'm interested to see what she's going to do on Monday Night Raw. Granted, some of you may not agree. And if you do, tell me on social media. You know where to find me. Give me your opinion. I value it. But to me, I'm excited to see what she's going to do next Monday night. The Monday night before Hell in a Cell. I'm interested in what Ava's going to do. I'm interested. Monsoor is in the back getting ready for his match. And Mustafa Ali. I told you guys. I'm loving this thing with Mustafa Ali and Monsoor. I love where they're going with this. These two guys worked together. You know, worked in the same company. You know, worked for 205 Live. They worked together. You know, they did some tag team together on 205 Live. It's interesting to see. But I'm really excited to see you know, Mustafa Ali and Monsoor. I'm interested to see where this is going to go. But Mustafa's talking to him and telling him that he's not ready for Drew Gulak. He's trying to explain to him about Drew Gulak because Drew Gulak is known as the submission specialist. Mustafa would know more about Drew Gulak than, than Mansoor would because Mustafa had a lot of matches with Drew Gulak, not just with his you know, with his buddy Cedric Alexander, but you know he had a lot of singles matches with Drew Gulak in 205 Live. He knows how this how the cruiserweight is. He knows how. Lethal he can be. And basically tell him, you know, come on, you're not ready. He doesn't play by the same rules as everyone else. He, the rule book doesn't apply to Drew Gulak. You you need to, you know, you need to listen to me because I know what I'm talking about. I've dealt with Drew Gulak. I know how he is. You're playing, you know, you're going into a match that you cannot win if you don't take my advice and do this. And be prepared for whatever Drew Gulak dishes out. Like I said, guys, Mustafa Ali faced Drew Gulak a lot in 205 Live. So if anyone knows Drew Gulak better than anybody else on the roster, it's Mustafa Ali. He says he cheats. Yes, Gulak does. He cheats a lot. He is in 205 Live. He was known as a cheater. He any shortcut that he could take to win a match, he would do it. He says, "So you're not ready." You, you you need to take my advice and you need to listen to what I'm saying and you need to do it this way and you need to pay attention because Drew, Drew Gulak can be a problem for you. And now we move on again with a veteran versus Cedric Alexander. I'm happy that this time it wasn't Sheldon Benjamin. I'm very happy that they moved on past Sheldon Benjamin because literally that I was sick of seeing that storyline over and over and over again. It was just a back and forth battle between the two of them. Now it's Jeff Hardy. It seems to me Cedric Alexander, again, is attacking another veteran who's been there for a while. I told you guys how I feel about veterans in any wrestling company. We're not going to go into this subject again, but it's bugging me. But, of course, we have Jeff Hardy versus Cedric Alexander. It's a great match. It's a really, really good match back and forth between the two of them. They're both really showcasing what they can do. You're not quite sure, and the whole time you're sitting there, you're thinking, after everything that happened with Cedric Alexander and Sheldon Benjamin, we're going to get this same storyline again, to where Cedric beats a veteran, and he runs his mouth. Cedric is running his mouth in the ring. He is picking on Jeff Hardy, going at Jeff Hardy. Guys, I am a huge Hardy Boys fan. I always have been. I loved Matt and Jeff. I you know, love seeing Matt in AEW, and I love seeing Jeff on WWE. I really don't like the way that they are going with this whole veterans thing. But, of course, the match was fantastic. It was incredible. Jeff Hardy wins that match. And I was happy to see Hardy win it. I was happy to see Hardy show Cedric that without us, you wouldn't be where you are now. You would not be in this ring facing me if I was not here. You wouldn't. You would be facing some 
unknown person that's not really skilled to take on your your your, your fight. You're just it, it was a really good story and I liked it. I hope that eventually they'll move past Cedric Alexander going after veterans and let Cedric showcase what Cedric can do because anybody and if you haven't seen him go look Cedric Alexander up. Go look him up back in 205 Live. He was incredible. He was an incredible 205 Live champion. A few years back, him and Mustafa Ali had a fight at WrestleMania for the Cruiserweight title. It was one of the best matches that I had seen in a long time. It showcased what Cedric really can do. Cedric is a great entering performer, and WWE needs to recognize that and let him do what he did. Let him showcase what he can do. Let him let people see what Cedric Alexander really can do. That's what I want to see. That's where I'm hoping they go with this. We're done with the veterans thing. Let's move on. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte come out together. We're about to go to the match with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte versus Asuka and Nikki Cross. Of course, Charlotte comes out and tells Rhea, Oh, no, 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 no. I'm the opportunity. Follow me. Rhea's not having it. She steps in front of Charlotte and goes, Ah, if anybody's going to follow, you're going to follow me because I'm the champ. You need to walk beside behind me and follow my lead. Already, we're starting to see cracks and the, the issues between them. That they're not going to be able to coexist because, one, their egos are getting in their way. Their egos are getting in the way of them being a great, you know, performer. You know, it, it, it's just really weird that, you know, they can't coexist in the same space. So, like I said, now we have Nikki Cross and Oscar versus Rhea and Charlotte. Charlotte gets jealous because Rhea keeps stealing her spotlight in the match. And Charlotte will purposely tag herself in to try to show, show off what she can do to the champ. And Rhea just really isn't having it. They're not coexisting, guys. They're not working on the same page. They're not working together as a team. They're wanting to basically show up each other. And that bugs me because these two girls, these two competitors are great. These two women are great in the ring. That, but they would be great together as a tag team if they would let go of their egos and their jealousy and work together. But they're showboating. They're showboating and not really paying attention to what they're doing. Nikki and Oscar are doing so well. You know, they're working great together as a team. They're doing fantastic. Fight breaks out between Rhea and Charlotte. Charlotte not paying attention. One, two, three. Nikki and Oscar win the match. Charlotte and her start beating the heck out of each other because they just... They couldn't coexist the entire match. They basically were trying to show up the other. And to me, Charlotte's better than that. To me, Rhea is better than that. They didn't need... They needed to work together as a team. They could have beat Nikki and Asuka. They didn't. They wanted to feud and fight and showboat. To me, that's just not... That to me is... I'm not interested in that. I, I like this feud between the two of them, but let them do it against each other. Don't put them in a tag team together to let them feud. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes because, like I said, they do have to face each other at Hell in a Cell. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes and if Charlotte can put her ego aside and face Rhea like she knows how to face her and not be such an egotistical person. And oh, I, I, I'm owed this because I'm the opportunity. You're not the opportunity. Every woman in the back deserves a shot at that title. You're just there because you were at the right place at the right time. It's got nothing to do with the fact that I mean, Charlotte's great. Charlotte is fantastic. She's a great in-ring performer. I love to watch her you know, wrestle. I love her. But right now, her ego and the fact that she is a flair and that name carries weight is really 
starting to make Charlotte look bad. Granted, guys, I know they're trying to get heel heat from Charlotte. They already have heel heat. They don't need any more. WWE, skip past this. People already don't like her right now. Leave it alone. Let her be herself. Stop using this ego of hers to make her better. She don't need it. She's good on her own without this silly little storyline that you've created. Monsoor versus Drew Gulak. This match was interesting. Because, like I said, Monsoor's never faced Drew Gulak. And Drew Gulak is a submission specialist. This He's, he's a great in-ring performer. He showcases what he can do. It was a really good match. It was an interesting match between the two of them. You're sitting there the whole time thinking when Monsoor's coming down the you know down to the ring, is he going to take Mustafa's uh, Ali's advice into a into, into count? Is he going to, you know, listen to what Mustafa Ali told him and focus on what on you know what he needs to do to beat Drew Gulak? Back and forth match, great match. Of course, it ended with Monsoor winning that match. Got you questioning, got you scratching your head, going, did Monsoor listen to Mustafa Ali? Is that why he won? Guys, I'm loving the storyline. I'm loving where they're going. I, I see a good potential of either Mustafa Ali versus Mansoor or Mansoor Mustafa Ali becoming a tag team. It, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. It really is because Mustafa Ali is good in anything that he does. And Mansoor is fantastic. If, you don't, if you've not seen either one of them, go on social media and look them both up. Watch their matches. They're incredible. They're just fantastic. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Matt Riddle and Randy Orton do a promo. And again, Matt Riddle cannot keep his mouth shut. Running that mouth, you know, going on and on, babbling. I mean, I swear he's babbling at the mouth. It makes I me... Mean, Randy Orton has that knack for getting him quiet. And, of course, Randy Orton again shuts him up. Matt Riddle comes out to face Kofi Kingston. Randy, come, Randy, he tells Randy, come on, come down with me and watch my match. Well, when he first comes out, Randy's not out there. The match between Kofi Kingston and Matt Riddle is really good. It's a really good match. But halfway through, that's when Randy comes out. Basically, as a you know distraction tactic against Kofi Kingston. It doesn't work. Kofi continues to showcase what he can do. Matt Riddle continues to show what he can do. Of course, it ends with Kofi beating Matt Riddle. Randy Orton is not impressed. Not impressed at all. And you can see it. You can see it in his face. You can see it in his eyes. The way, you know, his mannerisms. You can see it. I've told you guys this once and I'm going to tell you again. It's coming. Randy is up to something. We just don't know what it is yet. Randy is eventually, I'm pretty sure, going to turn on Matt Riddle. It's just a matter of when and where and how. He's the legend killer. He doesn't do anything without a reason. We've seen him turn on Bray. We've seen him turn, you know, turn on Roman. We've seen him turn on a lot of people. I mean, Ric Flair, we've seen him do it. It's a matter of time before he turns on Matt Riddle. What his plan is, his plan of attack, don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens here. It really is. <clears throat> now, I told you guys... Uh, Shayna had this whole thing with Alexa last week where she basically came up, attacked Reginald, and basically had a little confrontation with Alexa and basically called Lily a stupid doll. A dumb, just a stupid, dumb doll. I told you guys last week that this could be a problem because Lily, we don't know what exactly she, we know she's a doll, but we don't know exactly what she is. Alexa Bliss is blowing the is blowing everybody's mind right now, but Shayna did tell her that she wanted to come and have a one you know a conversation with Alexa. Well, 
before she does that, she's heading to Alexa's playground. Naya runs into her, and Naya basically tells her, you know, I've worked with Alexa. I know how Alexa is. You need my help. You and Shayna literally thinking that she's the queen of spades. She normally can take on anybody. She basically turns down Naya's offer and tells Naya, "I don't need your help. I, I I've got this. I can handle Alexa and her stupid little doll. I don't." And Naya's trying to reason with her, which guys we all know Naya Jax has dealt with Alexa. She knows how Alexa is. Shayna really does not know what she's putting herself into. She does not know what she's stepping into. And Naya has every right. I mean, I really think Naya should help her. Because it, it, it makes more sense for Naya because Naya's done this before. Shayna won't accept her help. Naya tells her, okay, look, if you need me, you know how to call me. I'll come help you. But I'm telling you, you cannot face her alone. This is a totally different Alexa Bliss. You don't know what you're going up against. Shayna being Shayna. Oh, I've got this. I've got this. I've got it. I don't need your help. Nope, go away. But, uh, she basically shows up and, you know, starts talking with her and they're having this little spit spat back and forth with each other and Alexa, you know, she's in the middle of the ring. Sitting in the middle of the ring for Alexa's playground. Shayna comes out, walks down to the ring, you know, the swing sets up, the rocky horse, everything's up. Shayna walks over there and the first thing she does is she grabs the rocky horse and throws it. I mean, knocks it over in front of Alexa. And all Alexa says is basically, hey guys, we can have a new friend by the time this you know, this, this conf confrontation is over. I would love to have a new friend. And I'm pretty sure Lily would love to have a new friend. I'm pretty sure all of you out there would love to have a new friend. Oh yeah, we would love to have you, you have a new friend. A friend like Shayna? Oh yeah, that would be the greatest thing for you to have because you got yourself a big bodyguard that could take everybody out. Yeah, it would be a problem. But of course, she knocks her over. Knocks it over and then sits down and disrespects Alexa first. And Alexa goes, hey, look, we're just trying to be your friend here. We're just trying to, you know, get to know you. Try to be your friend. And that's so hard to do. And Shayna's not really saying anything. And Alexa goes, but in order for us to be your friend, there's one thing I need for you to do for me. And Shayna looks at her and goes, what's that? She goes, I need you to apologize to Lily for what you said to Lily last week. Shayna's like, What? No, I'm not apologizing to a doll. No, she's done stupid doll. I'm not going to apologize. And she's blaming Alexa for all her troubles. The wall of fire. Them losing the tag titles. You know, everything happening is all Alexa's fault. It's all Alexa's fault. We've never seen Alexa. We've never... The only time we saw her was when she was teamed up with Charlotte. And Charlotte, she told Charlotte, Naya, and... You know, Shayna and then the other girls in the ring, one of you I'm coming after. But she didn't give us a direct person as to who it was. So really, we've not really seen, you know, Alexa and any of these other mishaps that have happened. It links back to Alexa, and I see where Shayna's coming from, that it really does look like it's Alexa, but we've never really seen Alexa physically making the wall of fire come up. We've never seen Alexa blow fire out. We've never seen Alexa do any of that. We've only seen the fire. That's all we've seen. They lost the tag titles because of interference from Reginald. Not Alexa. Reginald. Reginald got in the way and that's what caused them to lose the tag titles. Not Alexa Bliss. Reginald. But she blames her and tells her that it's her fault. She tells her it would be in her best interest to apologize to Lily. Shayna's look, really? Seriously, you want me to apologize to a dumb, stupid doll? Really? It's a doll. Really? 
Seriously? Are you kidding me? And she steps, she basically grabs Lily and picks her up and says, I apologize, Lily. And then she throws the doll down in the middle of the ring. Alexa Granite attacks Shayna but gets gets out of the ring and Alexa standing on the outside, horrified because Lily is in the ring without Alexa with the Queen of Spades. Shayna then proceeds to step on Lily and starts squishing her foot on top of this doll. Alexa's absolutely horrified. I, the WWE Universe is horrified because they're like, what did you just do? You crossed the line. You crossed a serious line involving Alexa Bliss. No one crosses Alexa. You just don't do that. But after she steps on this doll, she steps out of the ring and she's standing on the outside. Alexa's in there with Lily and she's holding Lily and comforting Lily. The lights start flickering on and off, on and off, on and off. And Shayna's looking around and, you know, we're all looking around going, Bray Wyatt, that's the first version we think of when lights flicker. The Fiend, that's what we're thinking. But the lights start flickering. I mean, they're flickering. And she literally can't figure out what's going on. She literally takes off out of the ring and starts heading to the back. She heads up the ramp, lights still flickering. You know, she doesn't know what is going on. She has no idea. And fire shoots all the way up. I mean, up the ramp in front of Shayna. Woof. Meanwhile, Alexis in the ring with this doll. I mean, it looks like a wall of fire just coming up the ramp in front of Shayna. Shayna backs up, gets the heck out of there, goes to the back. Camera follows her to the back. She's like, I dodged a bullet. This is over. I'm fine. We're okay. The lights start blinking in the back as she walks down the steps. Something falls from the ceiling. Shelf falls over. Things start falling. Shayna's like, nope, I'm not having this. I'm out of here. I'm gone. She takes off running. She, you know, camera's following her all the way. She, you know, she's trying. She's running everywhere. Things are falling. She starts saying, it's just a stupid doll. It's just a stupid doll. You know, it's just a doll. That's all it is. You know, she, she basically runs into a room, locks the door, and barricades herself inside. Okay, she's breathing a sigh of relief. It's done. She's safe. Everything's okay. Lights start blinking in the room she's in. I mean, literally blinking like strobe lights. She's like, it's just a stupid doll. It, it's just a stupid doll. She walks over and there's a mirror in the room where she's standing. It's, apparently, it's a locker room and there's a mirror right there. It's one of those standing, freestanding mirrors and she walks over and looks at the mirror. Well, when she looks in the mirror, over in the corner behind her, sitting on this little alcove area, is Lily. The doll, guys. The doll. Now remember, keep in mind, when we last saw Lily, she was in the ring with Alexa. Now she's in the room with Shayna. Shayna's looking in the mirror and sees this doll sitting in the little alcove. And she's like, it's just a stupid doll. She turns around and looks behind her from away from the mirror and there's nothing there in the alcove. Nothing. Nothing there at all. Nothing you can see, no doll, no nothing, everything's fine. So, she turns back around, looks in the mirror, and she's still there, in the mirror. So, she kicks the mirror and breaks the mirror. Now, half the mirror is still standing, the other half is destroyed. In that half side of the mirror, there's Lily, sitting in the same spot where Shayna had just looked, and she wasn't there. She sees Lily. And she's like, but it's just a stupid doll. And she's pacing back and forth going, it's just a stupid doll, it's just a stupid doll, it's just a stupid doll. All of a sudden, the lights flicker and the lights go out. 
The last thing we hear is Shayna scream as Raw goes off the air. Guys, this boggles the mind. You're trying to figure out, and I know you're sitting here right now listening to this podcast going, what the heck just happened? Got your head scratching, got my head scratching. What is up with this doll? What is up with Lily? What is up with Alexa? What are we getting? What happened to Shayna? Don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. But this was a great ending to Raw. They actually let the women from the women's division, Alexa and Shayna, showcase what they could do in a storyline to end the show. Going to be interesting to see where WWE goes with this. Going to be interesting what happens on Monday Night Raw this coming up Monday. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see what Shayna is. What's happened to Shayna. What's going on with Alexa. What is up with Lily? I'm interested to see what's going to happen here. It's going to be interesting to see. And I want you guys, you guys pay attention. You guys watch. Because I promise, you're you're not going to be disappointed. This is a great storyline. If you want to see it physically, go on social media and type it up. Look it up. I promise you guys, you will think you are in a horror movie. Because this is what it looks like. It looks like you're in a horror movie. It, it, it's incredible. It's a great storyline. Perfect way to end Monday Night Raw. Now we move on to Friday Night Smackdown from 6-11. Smackdown opens with Roman and Jay. The same with Roman and Jay and Jimmy. It's been a very interesting storyline, a very interesting thing building up on, on Smackdown. It's been really a rough and bumpy ride, and we've been trying to figure out exactly where this is going to go and what's going to happen. I mean, as you don't know, last week he ended Raw or ended Smackdown attacking Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. He annihilated Dominic Mysterio. I mean, brutally annihilated in front of Jimmy and Jay. Jimmy and Jay watching on horrified. Pat McAfee horrified. It was an interesting little storyline. But like I said, he claims that he saved him last week. Roman says, oh, I saved you guys last week. You guys were about to lose the tag titles. I come in and saved you. Really, Roman? They had this match, and you were so over-jealous of them winning that you decided to cause a DQ, making them not win the titles. You didn't save them. You cost them the titles is what you did. That's exactly what you did. We're not stupid. We didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. We know what you did. We saw it. You cost your cousins the tag titles. He says, I want to know one thing. I want to know where you stand. You're embarrassing the family. You realize that, right? You're embarrassing the family. He says, I know you understand that, but does your brother understand that you're what you're doing? Does your brother get what you're doing? Does he get why I'm doing this? Does he understand this? And while they're sitting there talking, Jimmy Uso's music hits in the background, and we Roman's got a big television screen in his dressing room, and we see Roman and Jay watching Jimmy Uso walk out to the ring. You can tell Roman's jaw is twitching. He's not happy with the way this is going. He does not like it. Jimmy comes out and tells him, Look, we were supposed to be seven-time SmackDown Tag Team Champions. But Roman cost us that. Roman cost us the shot at getting those titles. First, he goes, The ref made a bad call. He made a bad call in the first round, which he did. Jimmy's arm was up. Of course, Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce corrected it. They gave us another match. We got another match. He says, and then we were doing so good. We were doing so great. And then here comes Roman, sticking his nose in our business and costing us the titles. 
all because he didn't like the fact that he wasn't in the spotlight, that we were in the spotlight. I feel first, you made it about you. It's all about you, Roman. It's always been about you. You're jealous. You took our moment. You're jealous of us because it isn't about you. It's about, you know, whatever you feel. You know, there's you. It's all you and no one else. No one else can be, have a title. No one else can shine in the family. Just you. He says, look, I'm not my brother. I'm my brother's keeper. You're not. You're telling my brother all these crazy wild stories and getting him to believe what you want him to believe when in truth, I'm sitting here for over a year watching you manipulate my brother from the outside and there was nothing I could do to stop you. There was nothing I could say. There was nothing I could do to help Jay from your manipulation. There was nothing I could do. I sat here for a year watching you do this. He's like, but tonight, I promise you, I'm going to do something that I won't regret. Roman's not happy. Jimmy walks off. Roman looks over at Jay and tells him, you need to take care of this and you need to take care of this tonight. This needs to be solved. This needs to end because your brother's on a rampage and this needs to end. So then we get Kevin Owens and Big E versus Sami Zayn and Apollo Crews. This match was a great match because I wasn't quite sure if Sami Zayn and Apollo Crews could work together. Plus, You've got Commander Azeem's out there with his dangerous Nigerian nail. You're not sure what he's going to do. It's an interesting fight. Back and forth, really good. Kevin Owens and Big E rocking in the ring. They were doing really great together. Kevin Owens and Big E won that match. It's what happened after the match that got everybody talking and everybody's attention because Apollo Crews basically tells them, you wouldn't have won that match. You couldn't have won that match. You, I got stuck with a stooge, Sami Zayn, who doesn't know what he's doing. You know, you... You guys can't beat me fair and square. You guys really can't beat you fair and square. Seriously? Huh? Really? It's never been fair and square because Commander Azeem's is always involved at some point. So I'll tell you what. Next week on SmackDown, why don't the two of you face me? We're like, ooh, handicap match? I can get on board this one. This could be really interesting. As long as Commander Azeem stays out of it. And he goes, no. He goes, with me and Commander Azeem's. Of course, Big E and Kevin Owens, you know, smile, grin, like, finally, we're going to get a chance to get a shot at this guy. And they go, they agree to it. So next week, we're going to get Kevin Owens and Big E versus Apollo Crews and Commander Azeem's. We're going to get to see Azeem's for the first time in the ring. It's going to be interesting to see what this guy can do. Sami Zayn gets mad and goes, whoa, you're calling me a stooge? You're going to say that I, I'm the reason you're, you're conspiring with Kevin Owens. You're working with WWE. I know what you're doing. Blah, blah, blah. You don't want me to get my Intercontinental title back. He keeps going. Well, Commander Zayn's gets tired of hearing it, and Nigeria nails him. Guys, in my opinion, and you, you out there in the universe may disagree. You, my loyal fans, may disagree. And if you do, tell me on social media. Give me a shout out. You may disagree, but I think the Nigerian nail is a dangerous finisher that should not be allowed to be used because it can really hurt somebody if he hits it the wrong way. Living proof, a couple weeks ago, Kevin Owens. It, it can happen. It's not a move that I recommend to be used because it can really hurt somebody. For those of you who don't know, he uses his knuckle part on his finger. And what he does is he'll do a jabbing motion right against the larynx part of your throat. I mean, one failed jab, and they call it the Nigerian nail. If you hit that spot wrong, you can hurt somebody. 
I'm not saying that, the, you know, they, they have banned a lot of other finishers. I mean, the curb stomp because it caused concussions. You know, they've banned a lot of finishers. This one, to me, needs to be looked at as a possible problem because this guy, I mean, he's tall. He is really tall. Commander Azim's is taller than Kevin Owens. He's tall. He's kind of like almost. He's tall. He's a big, you know, a big guy. And, you know, you're using your whole finger, you know, the knuckle of your finger and hitting somebody in the throat. It's dangerous. It's really dangerous. And you guys may disagree. You guys might think, oh, it's a great move. Anything can happen. We've seen it happen. We've seen superstars get hurt by a finisher, an elbow, a knee, a finger, a gouge. We've seen it happen. Sheamus being an example on Monday Night Raw. We've seen it happen. You've got to take into consideration of your wrestling, your wrestler's health and well-being. That's the thing you need to pay attention to. That's just my opinion. Like I said, my opinion. You guys might disagree. I understand if you do, tell me. I love to hear your opinions. I really do. Jimmy runs into Jey Uso. And he asks him, Do you think we won the well, Jimmy asks him, Do you think we won the titles last week? And Jay's looking at him and he goes, well, he goes, no, I want a straight answer. Do you think we would have won the tag team titles last week had Roma not interfered? Jay goes, of course we would have. Well, of course we would have won the titles. There's no shadow of a doubt we would have won the titles. We had this match in the bag. And he's like, okay, well, he says, I need you. Roma don't need you. I need you. I'm your brother. I'm the one person that you can look... I'm your twin brother. I'm the one person that you can trust. I'm the one person that will tell you the truth even when you don't want to hear it. I'm the one person that needs... That you need to be with. Not Roman. Me. He's like, look. He is sticking... Basically, Jay goes, you you two are sticking me in the middle of this. I'm getting stuck in the middle of you two's feud. Really? Jimmy isn't the only one sticking you in the middle of the feud. Roman's sticking you right in the middle of it, too. So, Roman's just as guilty as Jimmy is. Jimmy's just trying to help Jay. That's all he's trying to do is to get Jay to realize you don't need Roman to succeed. We could succeed together as a tag team if you would work with me. I'm not saying give up Roman. I'm not saying turn your back on our cousin. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying... We could be a heck of a team and a stronger team if we had the tag titles and he had the universal title. It would make our bloodline stronger. It would make our family stronger. It would make us look better as a group. And he's right. It really would. The problem is Roman doesn't want to let that go. He does not want to let go the fact that someone else wants to have titles in the family. It's only fair. It would make, I mean, If Roman thinks about it, it really would. It would make them a lot stronger. It would make people take a lot more notice to Roman and the Usos. They would pay more close attention and Jimmy would you know, side with Roman if he could get those titles. It, it just it makes sense. Jay, look, if Roman wants to see me, if Roman truly wants to see me, tell him he can come find me. I'll be in our locker room. And walks off. So then we fast forward and we see Rey Mysterio. He's talking to Adam Pierce about what Roman did last week. And what Roman had done to dominate Mysterio. Rey Mysterio has every right to say what how he feels. Because I'm telling you guys, it was a slaughter. It was a literally the destruction of Dominic Mysterio at the hands of Roman Reigns. It was like something, just like a freight train. He just come through and just annihilated him. 
he had no reason to. He had no reason to be in the match. All over the fact that his brothers, you know, that his cousins won the titles. All over that fact. He couldn't let that anger and jealousy go, so he took it out on Dominic Mysterio. That's what it boiled down to. And I don't blame Ray for saying, hey, something needs to be done. Someone needs to be held accountable for what happened last week. Literally, I don't see any problem with what Ray Mysterio is doing. I don't see any problem with it whatsoever. Sharif Prophets, we saw what happened last week with Chad Gable and Otis. Street Prophets are talking about what happened and everything that's going on, and Chad Gable comes up and tells them, look, guys, I want to apologize to you guys for Otis's behavior. I want to apologize to you guys for my behavior because I was a little bit out of line. I should have been a little bit more respectful. And, guys, look, I got us out of, I got our match tonight canceled because it was supposed to be a tag team match between Alpha Academy and the Street Prophets. He goes, look, I got our match canceled. You know, let's let bygones be bygones. It was a mistake. You know, we you accept my apology. We move on. Everything's good. But Street Profits don't want that. Montez Ford then said, you need to be held accountable for what happened last week. You need to, you know, you need, one of y'all need to stand up and, you know, take responsibility for what happened to me and Angelo Dawkins last week. That's what you need to do. Chad Gable's not happy about it and says, okay, guys, you want to do that? Fine. One of y'all can fight me tonight. Doesn't matter which one. Whichever one wants to find me, don't bat. You know, y'all make y'all's decision, you know. And so, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins kind of have a bicker back and forth. I'll take him, I'll take him. No, I'll take him, I'll take him. So, finally, Montez Ford decides he'll take Chad Gable. Chad Gable promises that Otis will not come out to the ring. And that Angelo Dawkins doesn't need to be out at the ring at ringside with Montez Ford. Guys, I smell a rat. I smell a fishy, fishy rat. Chad Gable would not. And there's no way that Otis isn't going to show up. There's no way, in no way in the world that there isn't a rat. You know, there ain't no toy, a ploy being made by Chad Gable to take out the street profits. It's 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 inevitable. That's what's happening. It's brutally obvious. If you if you missed it, then I'm sorry, but that's what it seems. That's how it appears to be, and that's how it is. Interesting to see what's going to happen tonight. Very interesting. We're back to Roman. Jay comes in. Roman's sitting there and he goes, where is he? Where's Jimmy? I told you to bring Jimmy to me. I told you, you know, go get Jimmy right now. And he goes, he told me to tell you if you want to see him, he's in our locker room. Roman goes, your locker room? Your locker room? You have a locker room? <laughs> yeah, he's making fun of the whole thing. Y'all have a locker room? Seriously? Classic Roman Reigns. Classic heel Roman. You know, being yeah, the head of the table. Locker room. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, sure. Locker room. Now he's trying to say, you know, the Jimmy is putting him, you know, he's trying to, you know, Jay's trying to say, look, Jimmy's put you, Jimmy and you are putting me in the middle of a fight between the two of you. I don't want any part of this. I want to be left alone, you know. And he keeps making fun of the locker room thing. He has locker room. <laughs> he has locker room. Sure, yeah, sure, your locker room. Ah, yeah. Typical Roman. Not listening to Jay Uso and not listening to what Jay Uso is trying to tell him. What you guys are doing is really bothering me, guys. You've got to stop putting me in the middle of you two's feud. You two feuded out and be done with it already so we can move on. So we can get past it. So Jimmy and I can go get the tag title. So you can continue to defend, to defend your universal title. So that we can help each other. That's what Jay's trying to And Roman's not listening. Roman's just not listening. Not listening. Carmella comes out. And she's announcing that she's the most beautiful woman in all of WWE. Really? Seriously, WWE? That's where you're going to go with this? 
Seriously? You've got to be joking. Oh, come on. You can obviously see something really fishy is going on within WWE. But we get another match with Liv Morgan versus Carmella. Carmella and her have a really good match. Liv Morgan is fantastic, guys. She is fantastic right now. This girl is just she's incredible. Love to watch her fight. You know, single single competitor, love it. She's fantastic. Really good match. Ends with, of course, Liv Morgan winning that match. Yay! So happy to see Liv win it, win it. And pretty much put Carmilla behind her. Again, Carmilla gets the announcer to say, oh, she's the most beautiful woman in all of WWE. Guys, it's really getting on my nerves. It's really bugging me that WWE is going to stoop to this level. That they're going to go this low and this far. Now, before we get on to the next thing, I'm going to tell you why this is bugging me the most. It's been all over social media. And all of you guys have probably seen it. And if you haven't, go look it up. It's everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. Wrestlers around the world are talking about this. You know, you know sports king. Wrestling talk. You know, Bleacher Report. They're all talking about it. Triple H had a press conference for In Your House. Which is coming up this Sunday for NXT. He does this before any NXT takeover. He always... You know, kind of boost NXT to get people, you know, to watch the show. And, you know, you know, tries to, you know, boost the ratings for NXT, which NXT is doing fine on its own. Triple H, fantastic, you know, fantastic. He's really good with NXT. But in this press conference that he had, he laid claim that all the women in WWE right now are the best, uh, best in the world. And if the women are not in WWE, they want to be. Really. So you're going to say your women are better than ROHs. You're going to say that your women are better than NWA. You're going to say that your women are better than Japan and New Japan. You're going to say your women are better than AEW. You're going to say your women are better than Impact. You're going to say that all these women, you know, NXT UK, all these women that have showcased, you know, what they can do, that your women are the best in wrestling right now. Your division. Your division is not... I mean, they're great. Your division is fantastic, Triple H. We're not going to say it isn't. It is. It's fantastic. It's marvelous, stupendous. But there are other women in other companies right now that are blowing your division out of the freaking water. One of those being AEW's very own Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. She is blowing your division out of the water. Another one. Knockout Women's Champion, Deanna Parazzi. Blowing your women out of the water. Over in NXT UK, Kylie Ray and Mako. Blowing your women out of the water. ROH still having a women's division tournament to determine the next women's champion. Blowing your women out of the water. NWA's Thunder Rosa, Serena D. Blowing your women out of the water. The women over in New Japan. Blowing your women out of the water. They are not... I mean, I'm not saying, Triple H, that your women are not good. Your women's division is. But you don't showcase them enough. You don't give them enough airtime. Raw, SmackDown, same thing. You don't give them enough airtime. You don't give them main events. You don't let them do what they're supposed to do. These other women are blowing you out of the water. They are literally... I mean, come on. Dr. Britt Baker and Akara Shida have main evented on AEW. This past win, this past Thursday night, Kylie Ray and Mako main evented NXT UK. ROH, their whole women's division ring, you know, ring tournament to determine the next champion. 
NWA, Thunder Rosa, and Serena D have done main event shows. Guys, this boggles my mind that Triple H would say this. This boggles my mind that he thinks that these other women, Deanna Parazzi, she's originally from WWE. She was the virtuosa in WWE. She is killing it in Impact right now. It boggles my mind that you would think that these other women in this in, this, in these divisions would want to go to WWE where they wouldn't get showcased, where they wouldn't get the respect that they deserve. As a fan, as a women wrestling fan, this offends me. And it might offend some of you out there in the universe. It boggles my mind that you would say this. When obviously these women in these other divisions are doing well. They're doing fantastic I mean, even Fire and Flare tag team champions over in Impact doing fantastic. It boggles my mind that you want to say this. It just doesn't make any sense to me that you would want to say something like that. A lot of people have fired back at him. Tony Khan being one of them. They fired, I mean, Billy Corgan from NWA fired back at him. You cannot say that every woman in any division wants to be part of WWE because a lot of them don't. Some of them came from your division to begin with and had no success, no luck over there, and are now in other divisions like Deanna Parazzi being one of them. Jordana Grace, uh, Rachel Erling, they've all been in WWE and they've done better in the other companies that they represent than they did in WWE. Another one that I can name, right off the bat, that used to be in WWE, Tennille Dashwood. She is doing so well in Impact right now, she would not want to go back to WWE if you paid her a million dollars. She's doing so well because you guys, everyone in the universe knows how WWE, how wrong WWE did Tennille Dashwood. We all know it. We've all seen it. She's doing so well in Impact. She don't need WWE to, to succeed. She doesn't. She's done well. Perfect prime example. That bugged me. That's why this whole thing with the most beautiful woman in all of WWE. That's another problem that I have. That is the issue that I have because they're sexualizing these women. They're trying to take them back to the Divas division. And that bugs me because they don't deserve this. They are great great in-ring performers. Ruby Riot, great in-ring performer. Let go. Mickey James, great in-ring performer. Let go. Uh... All these girls, let go. So to tell me that you think that this division is the best in the world is laughable. It's absolutely laughable. Now, we move on. Ding dong, hello. Bailey, 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 Bailey. Here we go again with Bailey. She has her guests and her guest is Seth Rollins. Who did not see the architect being her guest? Kind of excited to see Seth on, but yeah. There, maybe because for anything Seth does, he outshines everybody else. Not to say that Bailey isn't good. She is, she's fantastic, but she's another prime example of misusage. She's another strong prime example of misusage in WWE. She really is because Bailey is good. She is really good. She proved it in NXT. Yes, she's proven it time and time again. I mean, this girl's a Grand Slam champ. She she's proven it. But she has Seth Rollins. She has pictures of herself all over with the titles, you know, talking about how her new set and yada, yada, yada. Here we go again. Shut up, Bailey. You're going on. And Seth comes out and she's kissing up to him. And he's kissing up to her. 
back and forth kiss up back and forth kiss up about how one is better that one is just so great and the other one is just so great and da, 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 da. they're both laughing and having a good old time and they start showing clips you know others clips of their attack on their opponents Bianca Belair and Cesaro and it's a real talk up and everything and you Seth you know da, 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 da. it's an interesting little segment between the two of them Seth's not laughing at first with the whole thing with Cesaro but then he starts typical Seth Rollins we knew that was going to happen Interesting little talk up. And then the doorbell rings midway through her segment. Bailey knows she didn't bring in any other guests. And Seth didn't invite anybody. And they're confused. And Seth's like, oh, oh, I'll get up. No, 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 you're the, you're the host. I'll get up and open the door and find out who's here. Open the door. Cesaro is on the other side of the door. Cesaro's return to SmackDown. And he literally is beating the daylight side. He strips Seth down to almost... I mean, almost... He's almost naked. He's in his underwear, which is absolutely hilarious, guys. If you've not seen it, you need to go see it. It is hilarious. Seth's getting beat, knocked around. Bailey doesn't know what's going on. He literally destroys the set. He destroys everything. Cesaro just makes it perfectly clear where he stands with Seth Rollins. It's a great little segment. But what happens after is Bailey's upset because her set's destroyed. She's so sad and so upset, and Bianca Belair's music hits. She comes up, and all she does is she starts laughing. Bianca is laughing at Bailey, at Bailey's expense. She is laughing and doesn't stop laughing. It goes to commercial with her laughing. I like this. I like this setup. I like what they're doing here. I really enjoy it. It's interesting. It's funny. I like it. Interested to see what's going to happen to Hell in a Cell involving Bailey and Bianca Belair. Going to be interesting to see. Now we move on to the Street Profits, Montez Ford versus Chad Gable. It's a really good match. Doing really good. They're both showcasing what they can do. It's looking really good. No Otis. No Angelo Dawkins. We see Dawkins in the back watching the match on the screen while this match is going on, cheering Ford on. It's a really, really good match. Back and forth. You're not quite sure. Midway through the match, I told you I smelled a rat, guys, and I was right. Otis attacks Dawkins in the back. Literally wipes out Dawkins. I mean, just destroys Dawkins. He comes into the ring and attacks Montez Ford. DQ right there. Montez Ford wins the match. He literally is brutally beating the heck out of Montez Ford. I mean, it's a bad, you know, bad beatdown. Chad Gable cheered him all, going, come on, hit him one more time. Come on, come on. Ref's trying to get it to stop. She's trying desperately to get him to stop. No other referees, no security, no nothing. Angelo Dawkins comes out and literally throws himself on top of Ford to try to protect Ford. Frog splash off the top, takes out Ford. Not very happy with that match. Not, I mean, I get where they're going. I see where they're heading. I like uh, I would love to see Street Profits versus Chad Gable and Otis, but I don't like the way they're doing Otis. They're making Otis out to be a bully, and it's really driving me crazy because we all know Otis is no bully. Chad Gable, they're making him out to be you know, the uh, bully enforcer. I don't like that. I don't like that WWE is doing that. I don't condone being a bully to anybody, and that's really bugging me that they're doing that. It, it's, it's a button with me. It's a really serious button. King Corbin. We've had this issue with King Corbin going on this back and forth battle between him and Shinsuke Nakamura over the crown. 
It's been a very interesting little feud. I mean, week we're I week by week we're everybody's sitting on you know, the universe, getting on Twitter and Instagram to see what picture Shinsuke is going to pop up next with the crown on. Whether he's sipping tea, he's washing his car, he's surfing, he's got that. We're all waiting to see what he's going to come up with next with this crown. It's an absolutely great storyline. I'm loving it. It's hilarious. Of course, we have Baron Corbin, okay, King Corbin. Versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Ricky Boogs comes out with him. Pat McAfee killing me again with the whole thing. I love this whole thing with Pat McAfee and Boogs. It's it's hilarious getting up dancing. I love it. It's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. Boogs is playing his guitar, trying to get Corbin distracted. You know, he's just trying to do anything to get Corbin distracted. It works. Shinsuke Nakamura wins that match. But after the match, Corbin attacks Shinsuke. It's a big old mess, you know, big old fight. He managed to get out, get his crown, and is, again, trying to escape. Boogs tries to stop him. He's sent over the announce table. Shinsuke manages to get the crown back, takes off again with Ricky Boogs and the tag tie, and the other crown. Interesting to see what this is going to go with the crown. Interesting to see what's going to happen next. I'm excited to see. What picture or what video Shinsuke is going to pop up next? I'm loving this storyline. It's a really good storyline. We go back to Roman again. He gets into the you know, goes into the locker room and is like, "Oh, this is your locker room, huh? Interesting locker room, but you know, I like it." So then we, for some reason, go forward to Adam Pierce and Sonya. You know, they're confronted by King Corbin because Corbin is very upset this whole thing with his crown. He's really mad and I get where, Cor- where Corbin's going. I get where Corbin's going with this, but it's it's fun to watch. It's interesting little storyline between the two of them. He basically tells him, look, I need my, ca- my crown back. I earned that crown and King of the Ring. I need it back. And Sonya goes, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we set up a match next week between the two of you, Shinsuke Nakamura and you. In a battle for your crown. Whoever wins gets to keep the crown. Adam Pierce likes it. He likes it. He thinks it's a great idea. Baron Corbin's like, okay, oh, he agrees to it. Okay, so now we're going to get a crown, a crown match to determine who's going to get to keep the crown. I'm going to Shinsuke Nakamura because he's just killing it right now with the crown. He really is. He's killing it. I love it. Great storyline. Love it. Well, of course, like I said, Roman goes back to Roman, and he's inside the locker room, you know, admiring the locker room. So, this your locker room. you got a big screen TV. Oh, you got this table. These nice chairs. He says, does he see this? This is my title. Picks up the universal title and starts showing it to Jimmy. Meanwhile, Jay's in there listening to the whole thing. Here we go again with Jay being put in the middle of Jimmy and Roman's fight. Jimmy looks at him and goes, I don't care about your crown. I don't care about your, your. I don't really care about your title at all. I don't, I really don't care about that title at all. It means nothing to me. The only thing that matters to me is my brother. The only thing that matters to me is getting back and getting those tag titles. That's the only thing that matters to me. I don't really give anything about that title. That title is nothing. It's nothing to me. Yep. You know, so he calls him a spoiled brat. That's pretty much what he calls him. He calls him something else, but we're not going to say this on podcast. But he calls him something else. But it's basically bounds down to a spoiled brat. Jay basically is getting tired of it. And he says, I've had enough. I can't deal with this anymore. I, I, I'm tired of being stuck in the middle of y'all. I'm done. I'm out of here. He walks out. Roman starts blaming Jay. Or Jimmy. Starts telling Jimmy, 
You're the reason he walked out. You're the reason this is happening. You're the reason everything's going on. It's you. Do you really care about your brother like you claim you do? Do you really care about this family like you claim you do? You did it blaming Jimmy. Not taking into consideration that he is also at fault. He's just as at fault as Jimmy is. Not just, you know, Jay. Uh, you know, just, you know, Jimmy. He's at fault too. Jimmy's not the only one that is causing all this friction with Jay. Roman is too. Roman needs to stand up and admit, hey, I made a mistake. Hey, I, I screwed up. We need to, you know, form, get this family formed back together and we need to fight together as a unit. That's what he needs to do and Roman's not willing to do that. Rey Mysterio comes out to the ring and starts calling out Roman Reigns for everything that he did to Dominic Mysterio last week. Again, I told you guys, I agree with Ray. The beatdown that Dominic received last week was uncalled for. Roman should have stayed out of the match and let Jimmy and Jay do what they do. But his jealousy and his anger over his cousins doing something that he didn't order them to do overtook his judgment and let him basically take out his anger on Dominic. And I'm telling you, he destroyed Dominic Mysterio last week. Bad destroyed. But he calls him out. Roman comes out. Stands in the ring, and first of all, Ray tells him, I want to tell you right now, I acknowledge you. I'm going to be the first one to say, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you as a rat bastard, and a scoundrel, and a bully who beats up an innocent child who had nothing to do with whatever this feud is between you and your cousins. That's how I feel about it. You know, I, you know, I really think that you know you, you, you took it a step too far and I agree with him he did he took it a step too far he says look I want to fight you Roman I want to fight you even if I lose at least I get at least I will not go down without a fight if I lose I lose if I win I win but I want to fight you I want to defend my, my son I want to defend my family because you talk about you being all about family that this is all about family if it really was all about family why did you come at mine? I want to face you. I want to fight you. And I want to fight you inside hell in a cell. There's our second hell in a cell match, guys. Rey Mysterio versus Roman Reigns. Rey Mysterio and Roman both have been inside that structure. So they both know what they're up against. They both know what they're facing. This could be a problem. This could be a problem for Rey. A serious problem for Rey. I don't like it. It scares me. It's a bit worrisome that he's going to go in hell in a cell against Roman. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But after he says that, he goes, okay, I'm going to give you a chance to acknowledge me. Roman, of course, gets the mic. Hands the universal title over to Paul Heyman. Goes to say something. Rey Mysterio, out of nowhere. Don't know where this kendo stick came from. It's like it just, poof, appeared out of a magic hat. Hits him with a kendo stick. Beating the daylights out of Roman Reigns. At the same time, here comes Dominic Mysterio right at him. I mean, beating him. They're literally taking Roman. Roman finally gets tired, grabs Roman Dominic and throws him. Guys, he's standing inside the ring. Throws him over the ring ropes to the mat below. I mean, picks him up and chunks him. Dominic's on the ground. Ray back again. Kendo stick. Hitting Roman. Just beating him down. You know. Roman's trying to defend himself. Roman finally gets the upper hand and finally, you know, gets to calm down, walks out of the ring. Dominic's over on the ground. 
possibly injured, raised with him. Here we go. We just set up the match for Hell in a Cell. It's going to be Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio inside this Hell in a Cell structure. It's going to be an interesting match. It's going to be interesting what happens. Will Rey come out on top? Will Roman win? We don't know. It's basically defending his family's honor. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him one bit. Because Roman's jealousy got the better of him. It really did. That was the only reason Roman got involved in that match. Only reason. I want to thank you for listening. Because without you, there would be no In the Ring with Brandy. Remember, follow me on social media on my Facebook. Get on there and give me a shout out. Tell me what you think about this. You don't want to talk about your know, Raw or SmackDown? Anything involving wrestling, I would love to hear your opinion because I would love to have a chat with you about it. I really would. I, I value your opinion. Follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Nights, Nights Ending with a Z, and on my Instagram at In the Ring with Brandy. Give me a shout out. Tell me what you think. Anything wrestling related, love to talk about it. Love to hear your opinions. Love to hear your opinions about Hell in a Cell. Interested to see what you're, you know, what you guys are going to come up with. Love to hear from you guys. Again, I thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, without you, there would be no In the Ring with Brandy. And we'll see you next time, guys, with more wrestling action. Have a good night. Thank you so much.